Well, good morning to you. It's so good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. And I was trying to make my way around the sanctuary to get to talk to everybody. And I may have missed you if I didn't uh, get to talk to you. I'm glad you're here today. It is good to see you. Hope that you picked up a bulletin on the way in. Uh, with all the announcements that are there, there's a lot of different things that are coming up. All of them have, uh, or many of them, have uh, deadlines and specific dates to them. So make sure you are aware of everything that's going on. Uh, I did want to just remind you that next Sunday morning we have Sacred Heart with us. Uh, it is a uh, gospel group that's going to be coming, and they will be taking charge of our service. Uh, we'll have a... a kind of a welcome song kind of thing, and, and then they're going to take off and do their thing. Uh, if they're, they're coming with a love for a love offering, uh, and so we will take a love offering up next Sunday. Uh, but what we want to ask you to do is that if you're going to write a check for your love offering, please, please make it payable to Sacred Heart. Uh, don't make it payable to the church, but make it payable to the group. And the reason for that is, is that way they can take their love offering with them when they leave. Uh, otherwise, if you make it payable to the church, we, of course, have to deposit the money and go through all of that and then write them a check, and they don't get the benefit of it immediately. So we're asking you to do that for us. Just kind of help us out with that. If you don't mind, that'd be great. Uh, make the checks out to them, and uh, we'll, we'll have a great time of worship through song next Sunday. Uh, and also to let you know... Uh, because we have, uh, of course, we're, we're beginning the search for a new uh, worship leader for us. Uh, Brandon's doing a great job filling in, and we appreciate him so much. Uh, we, we are in that, we're in that process. So uh, we've got some, some guys coming in that are going to be leading music over the next several weeks. Uh, we just want to make you aware of that, and, uh, and I hope that you'll welcome them. Uh, they may have different styles, different personalities. Of course they will, but we want to welcome them in. Uh, and these are all, um, the ones that are coming at least for the next three weeks, are all uh, young men that are looking, uh, that God has called to music ministry, that are looking for a place to serve. Now, whether they're, they'll be here or not, that's up to the music search team. Uh, once they are uh, confirmed, they'll make that decision instead of... Uh, us trying to do that for them they'll choose that person bring it to you and then the church will vote on that individual but just to let you know there's going to be a lot of a lot of different people popping up here over the next several weeks and so uh come come check them out tell us what you think uh and we appreciate that very much it's good to see you thank you for coming today those of you that are our special guests thank you for being a part of this worship service we pray you are blessed by being here today I want to open us up with a word of prayer, and then we'll begin our time of worship through song. Oh, I forgot Wanda, too. Where are you at, Wanda? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Wanda, I, I almost forgot you. If you don't mind coming on up and make your announcement, make sure that's on. There you go. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. 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 Good morning.
morning, everyone. I hope you were able to pick up a baby bottle for our baby bottle boomerang. And, I, and, and you did, because all the bottles are gone. Praise the Lord. And now here's the hard part. we got to bring them back. Hopefully full, but regardless, full or empty, bring them back. Next Sunday is the deadline. But if you didn't get a bottle, don't let that stop you. We'll take coffee cans. We'll take to-go cups. We'll take um, Ziploc bags. We don't care what it's in. We'll take it. And we've even got some information back there if you need some tax information for that. But thank you so much. You truly are saving lives right here in Stanley County with the fight against abortion. Thank you so very much. And that's Pregnancy Resource Center, right? Okay, that's, that's who that's going to benefit. So, And when she says bring it back full, money, not milk. Okay? <laughs> Let's... Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Uh, what a beautiful day it is, and what a wonderful day it is to be in the Lord's house with the Lord's people. Uh, Lord, we thank you for every person who's turned aside from their busy schedule to be a part of this worship today. We pray, God, that as we uh, go through our time together, whether it's the songs we sing or the fellowship we enjoy with one another, the, the study of your word, Lord, whatever it is that we may do today, we just pray, God, that... Uh, you will be pleased with us, that you'll be glorified in everything that we do. We just want to exalt the name of Jesus above every name and lift that name uh, above every name. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise you and we thank you for who you are. Uh, be with those of our church that couldn't be here today due to illness. Bless them, watch over them, heal them, restore them. And Lord, we just thank you again for what you're going to do in our life in these next several moments that we're together. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If we have any of our children here that would like to go to Children's Church, uh, you guys can make your way to the front door, back door, whatever door, right back there, down the aisle. <laughs> and now as we continue to worship together, let's stand and join our voices together. in the Lord now and always. Sing it again, we rejoice. Delight in the love He has shown us. Gratefully lift up your voice. His gentleness among us will join our hearts with praise. We gather in His goodness, a family of grace. With each breath he's given, praise the Lord. In these times we live in, we will praise the Lord throughout every season. I am sure we have every reason to praise the Lord. And be anxious for nothing, praying for all that you need. Come with a song of thanksgiving, lay your request at his feet. His peace will fall upon us to guard our hearts and minds. In Christ who reigns eternal, the shepherd of our lives. 
together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, sunshine and cool weather. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord, and we attempt to do your will today. We ask you to bless our offerings and gifts and use them to your advantage, Heavenly Father. For we pray this in the sweet, sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Well, last week I introduced this new song to us, and so today let's join our voices as we declare this truth of the Lord being our salvation. The grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea and i am safe on this solid ground the lord is my salvation i will not fear when darkness falls his strength will help me scale these walls. I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. Who is 
debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. My hope is hidden in the Lord. He flowers each promise of his word. When winter fades, I know spring will come. The Lord is my salvation. In times of waiting, times of need. When I know loss, when I am weak. I know His grace will renew these days. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord our God, strong to save, faithful in love? My debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. When I reach my final day, He will not leave me in the grave, but I will rise. He will call me home. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Shame in love you came 
and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Washed me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. Crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious. High and lifted up. Jesus, Son of God, the darling of heaven, crucified. Worthy is the Son 
child of God, the darling of heaven, crucified. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Right now, we cannot help but just think about the price that our salvation required, the price that our sin demanded, the price that was on our lives. And yet in your love, in your mercy, in your grace, you came to us in the middle of where we were, in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our sin, in the middle of all of our problems. And you gave the ultimate price for us. This is a price that we can never, ever repay. This is a price that we can never imagine, a price we can never fully fathom. And yet it is that price, that perfect sacrifice, it is that by which we say you are worthy. It is that by which we proclaim your greatness and your glory. Because without you, there is no hope. Without you, there is no peace with God. And you came to do that which we could never do. And Lord, we can truly say that you are worthy. Because no one else could do what you have done for us. Let us never forget that price. Let us never forget the cross that you carried on our behalf. Because it is that cross that makes us who we are today. Children of God. Co-heirs with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for that perfect salvation that you've given to us. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your singing. You may be seated. We appreciate that so very, very much. Worthy is the Lamb. You know, you read the book of Revelation, and uh, can I tell you, folks, that's the song we sing when we get there. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. The Bible says that every tribe, every nation, every tongue shall stand in His presence and sing of His great glory. Thank you again for being here today. I want to invite you to join me in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 5. Nehemiah chapter number 5, we're beginning our walk, or continuing our walk, excuse me, through the book of Nehemiah, and we're asking a series of questions that help us as we focus upon God's plan and what is my purpose 
in that plan. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to confess something to you this morning that uh, today's message makes me nervous, okay? Uh, I hope it don't make you nervous now that I said that, but it does, um, simply because it's, it's so much different than, than normally uh, the way I would approach Scripture, but I believe we're being true to God's Word. I believe we are following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and, and so we're going to do this today. In Nehemiah chapter 5, we're going to read the first five verses and we're going to use the the rest of the chapter uh, as we go along together. Now here's what the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter number 5 beginning at verse number 1. Now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, we, our sons and our daughters are many. Therefore let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were others who said, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses that we might gain grain or get grain because of the famine. Also, there were those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is like the flesh of our brothers, our children like their children. Yet behold, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters are forced into bondage already. And we are helpless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Let's pray together. Truly, Lord, we come into your your presence today to declare that you are worthy of all praise, all honor, and all worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the nail-pierced hands that are a, a price that you were willing to pay on our behalf. We thank you. For the blood that was poured out to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for the body that was broken so that we could, we could find healing. We thank you for an empty tomb that declares that you are everything that you ever said you were. And that you can do everything that you ever said that you could do. That truly you are the Son of God. That you, you are God incarnate. And we thank you that you are who you say that you are. And we come today to come into your presence to thank you and to praise you and to give you honor and to give you glory. Now, Lord, as we open up the inerrant, the infallible, the authoritative and inspired word of God, we just pray, oh God, that the Holy Spirit who inspired Nehemiah as he wrote these words will now speak to our hearts, opening our minds to the truth of God, that we will be able to absorb it, that it will be ingrained within us, and that this truth, O oh Lord, will, will embed itself into our lives, transforming us more into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Guide us today as we study your word. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As we open up and enter into Nehemiah chapter number 5, we see a shift in the focus that Nehemiah has. Up to this point, Nehemiah's focus has been primarily in two different areas, building the wall and fending off the attacks from the outside. That, that's kind of been the focus up to this point. And so we, we've seen Nehemiah go to God in prayer and, and prayerfully seek God's guidance and how best to build the wall and how best to deal with those outside oppositions and adversaries that were coming up. 
But today we're going to look at something different because now the problem is not what's going on outside of these walls, but what's going on inside the walls. And what we see is that there's a great injustice being done. And so today we're looking at how do we deal with injustice. Social injustice refers to the wrongful actions against individuals within a certain society. And that's an issue that's been a part of the human race since the fall of man is, is one person being treated unjustly by others And it's that sinful fallen nature of man that pushes us to promote self-gratification and self-benefit at the expense of other people. That's just that fallen sinful nature that we have. And of course, as fallen sinful creatures, we tend to be motivated by that self-promotion. While the church is is focused upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, carrying to the world the good news that that there is a God in heaven who loved them so much that He gave His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate, come to earth to live among us sinlessly and to show us the way that, that we can love God and serve God and then to die on a cross and shed His blood as the sacrifice for our sin, and, and then to be resurrected on the third day as, as, as proof that He is not only victors over our sin, but victor over the grave. And we know that that is our focus. We know that that is the mission of the church. But I think we need to understand that, that God is concerned about how people treat people. It's, it's part of... His word, it's from beginning to end. We, we see God maybe rebuking someone for how they have mistreated others or maybe He's commending someone for how they have helped and ministered to other people. But God is concerned at how we relate to each other. He, it's a concern that He has. And we believe the Bible is very clear that every person is created in the image of God and that Jesus came to die for the sins of all mankind. That it is impossible for you or I to meet anyone at any time in any place that Jesus, number one, does not love or number two, that he did not die for. That that is all of us. Regardless of who we are, what our background may be, what our social economic situation may be, what the skin color may be, whatever it may be, that, that He died for all mankind. And that the, 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 the land, the landscape at the foot of the cross is level. That we are all loved and created by God. So issues such as abortion, which is injustice toward the unborn, racism, which is injustice toward people of a particular race, oppression, which is injustice of people of a particular economic group, and genocide, which is injustice toward people from a particular nation or a group of people, human trafficking, that is an injustice against our children, that these are issues that God is concerned about, and thus we should be concerned about those issues as well. And in Nehemiah chapter 5, 
injustice becomes the issue that's facing the people of Jerusalem. There's something going on in those walls of Jerusalem that, that God is not pleased with and he reveals it to Nehemiah so that Nehemiah under godly wisdom and direction can direct the people in how it's to be dealt with. In Nehemiah chapter number 5, injustice becomes the issue that's facing Jerusalem and it's now threatening to stop the construction of the wall. Satan has tried to divide them from without and attack them from without. But now he's trying to divide them from within. He's using every tactic that he can to try to stop God's plan and to derail God's purpose for the people that he had placed here. So if we're looking at God's plan and God's purpose and and our purpose in that plan, then we need to be aware of what's going on here. And I believe in Nehemiah chapter number 5, we're going to see that God directs Nehemiah to take three very distinct steps to address this situation. And by the way, so that you know that this is just not an Old Testament issue, Jesus used these same three steps to address injustice during his earthly ministry. And we see it, and if you want to parallel, if you want a place where you can parallel these together, you'll see it in Matthew chapter 21 with the cleansing of the temple. And, and, and so we're going to see that, that this is the way God intends for injustice to be dealt with by His people so that He receives the glory for it. It's not about an organization, it's not about... It's not about one group of people. It's about dealing with injustice in a way that the God who created us is glorified through that process. So here's what we see. The first step is to listen and observe with godly compassion. We read about that in the the very first five verses. Nehemiah is seeing something taking place. He's he's hearing about it. People are talking to him about it. And he's beginning to investigate. And he's beginning to witness with his own eyes that, that there are some things going on that ought not to be among God's chosen people. There's several different issues there. There's four groups of people that are identified. That first group he talks about are people who owned no land but they needed food. He talked about that in, in, in verse number 2. There are those who were saying, we need grain, we need food for our sons and our daughters. We, we, we're impoverished and we need help. Is there anything that can be done to help us? We're doing the best we can. We're giving it our all, but we're, but we're hungry and we're, we're in need. And so there's the first group we see, those people who own no land, but they also needed food. And then The population of Jerusalem, by the way, was increasing and there was a famine in the land. At least that's what we're told in chapter 5. So that meant that there was less food available. And even the food that was available, can you believe it? In Nehemiah's day, they had inflation. They did. The food that they did have available, because it was in such high demand, became so expensive that the people who needed it couldn't afford it. And so there were people who were hungry. The second group is identified in verse number 3, and that's the landowners. And the landowner said, look, we have mortgaged our property in order to buy food. He talks about that. We've we've mortgaged our fields and our vineyards and our houses that we might get grain because of the famine. They are people with resources. 
And they're saying we're, we're using every resource we have and we're, we're putting it to work. God has gifted us and granted us the, these wonderful assets and we're using it to the best of our ability. But the truth is now we, can't, we don't even own our own farms. We don't own our own homes. We don't own our own crops anymore. And, and we still need food. And, and so we're having, to pay, we're having to pay others to live on our own land. And, and, and they're struggling in that. Then there's a third group, and that's the people who are having to borrow money to pay their taxes to the king of Persia. We read about them in verse number 4 because they're saying they're those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's taxes on our fields and our vineyards. In other words, the government had put a lien against their vineyards and against their houses, and, and they've had to borrow against all of that, uh, so that just so they could buy food. And the tax rate, just so that you know, was somewhere between 20 and 50%. And just so you know, the interest rates, interest rates, Jews charging Jews in order to borrow money was 20 to 50%. And we, we have inflation, we have it. We have high interest rates from time to time. We all, we've all known them. But, but, but can I tell you something? I don't know that anybody here that's, is having to pay 20 to 50% interest on money these days. But so it's, it's a problem. There's a problem here. There's being some people that are, are taking advantage of other people. There's a fourth group, and that's the wealthy Jews. They're exploiting their own Jewish brothers and sisters. They're doing it because they see someone who has land, they have resources, and they have no money. So they go to them and said, I'll loan it to you. I'll hold your land. And you mortgage your land, you mortgage your homes with me, and I'll loan you the money. And they're charging exorbitant interest rates. And so now even the children are having to go into slavery because the people who borrowed the money, the people who owe, the people that they owe are having to send their children into slavery because they can't afford to make their payments. There are there's some injustices going on inside this society. No doubt Nehemiah had heard and he had observed how these people were treating one another. And his heart, like the heart of God, was broken and so he desired to help in some way. Uh, you see, I, I said we parallel this with, with Matthew chapter 21. Uh, talking about seeing compassionately with godly compassion. Jesus enters into the temple. It's, it was his custom to go there, to teach, to heal, to, to, to minister to people. And as he's there, he's seeing people being taken advantage of. Uh, he, he's watching as... These people are selling inferior sacrifices at high prices just so that the, the common man would have an opportunity to, to sacrifice at the temple. He, he, he sees what, is, is, is what amounts to robbery and thievery taking place among the Jewish people. And if that's not enough, he, he sees the money changers and, and, and each one had gone to pay their temple tax and they needed to exchange their money so that they could pay the temple tax. And, and so the Jews were charging each other this enormous amount of, of rate of, of, of to exchange money. 
And so the people were being bled to death financially by their own brethren. And Jesus was angered by that. What motivated Jesus to go into that temple? And the Bible says, by the way, he became angry. It was righteous indignation. There was no sin there. There was, there, there was no malice there toward a person. He was angry that the glory of God was being robbed from the temple by those who were abusing their brethren. And that's what angered him. And folks, I want to tell you something. There should be some things that anger us as believers. With righteous indignation, we, it should anger us when we... When we see the unborn being ripped from their mother's womb, that that should anger us. There should be some righteous indignation in there somewhere. When we see children being kidnapped, whether it's in our own country or from foreign countries, and then trafficked into the sexual trafficking uh, uh, so that the debase and debauchery uh, of of society can be satisfied through children, it ought to anger us. It should make us angry with righteous indignation. When we see someone who simply because of the color of their skin or because of their nationality or whatever it may be, when we see them being abused and misused and being mistreated over those kind of things, it should anger us. There's something inside of us should rise up and say, God is not pleased nor is He honored when His creation is created, that He's created is treated that way. There's something inside of us ought to rise up and say, there. This is not God's plan. This is not glorifying to the God of heaven. This is not, listen, this person that's being used and abused and misused is created in the image of God and loved by Him dearly and Jesus died for that person. It should raise up that Jesus watched and His heart was broken how others were taking advantage of others. So I believe that it begins with listening and observing with godly compassion to those who are helpless that are being exploited around us. That as God's people, it falls on us to observe and listen with godly compassion. There's a second thing, second step. And that is seek a godly resolution in verse number 6. Listen, Nehemiah got angry. Can you believe it? Then I was angry when I had heard their outcry in these words. I consulted with myself. I love that phrase. Can you picture it? He goes over in the corner and he goes, what are we going to do about this? He's talking to himself. You do that? Come on, tell me the truth. I know you do. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to, I mean, he's, he's, he's looking inner... And do I need to be concerned about this? Is this something I need to, to, to address? Is this, is, is, is this something I can do something about? He, he, he begins to look inward and he contended with the nobles and the rulers and he said to them, You are exacting usury each from his brother. Therefore, I held a great assembly against them. And I said to them, We, according to our abilities, have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Now would you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us? Then they they were silent and they could not find a word to say. 
Again, I said, the thing which you're doing is not good. Should we not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations and our enemies? And likewise, I, my brothers and my servants, are lending them money and grain. And, and, and please let us leave off this usury. Give back to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses also the hundredth part of the money of, and of the grain, the new wine and the oil and that you are exacting from them. And they said, we will give it back and we'll require nothing from them. We will do exactly as you say. So I called the priest and I took an oath from them that they would do according to their promise. And I also shook out the front of my garment and said, thus may God shake out every man from his house and from his possessions who does not fulfill his promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen. And they praised the Lord. Then the people did according to his promise. Nehemiah has proven to us over and over again, he is a man of prayer. And even when it says he consulted with himself, I can't help but believe that somewhere hidden in these few verses and few words, we, we find Nehemiah somewhere on his knees before God. Saying, God, we're harming each other. We're not honoring you. We're not, we're not bringing glory to the name that, that needs to be exalted. We're, we're not exalting your kingdom. We're not, we're not building your kingdom like we should. God, help us. Show me what needs, Lord, to do. What, what can I do, Lord, as, as your servant? What can I do to help? And he decided, as God led him to do so, that an assembly was required to address the problems that he had witnessed. And in helping everyone come to a, the very best solution, guess what Nehemiah does? He points to God's Word. He goes back to the law of Moses and he points to that. And he, he says, God's already addressed this. We, we shouldn't be dealing with this. God's already made His will known to us, His plan known to us, and how we deal with this. Why are we ignoring God's Word and going against God's Word and going against God's plan and doing our own thing? He's saying God's already addressed this. The one who created us, He he points them to the law of Moses because He wanted them to understand that Nehemiah was not there to determine who was right and wrong, that God was their judge. That he had already spoken to this matter and they were going to have to answer to him for how they obeyed his word. God had addressed this, by the way, in Deuteronomy chapter 23. In verse 19, Deuteronomy 23 says this, Now you shall not charge interest on loans to your brother, interest on money, interest on food, interest on anything that is lent for interest. You may charge a foreigner interest, But you may not charge your brother interest that the Lord your God may bless you in all that you undertake in the land and that you are entering to take possession of it. God had already addressed this. He had already told those who he had had blessed and they had had abundant. He said, you're not to loan it out with interest. Be a brother and and not just a loan shark. Be a brother to them. 
Look at them and say, that is my brother. That is, that is, a, that is a person who, who I am in, in one with because they are made of flesh as I am made of flesh. They were created by God as I was created by God. They are loved by God as I am loved by God. They are redeemed by Jesus Christ as I am redeemed by Jesus Christ. I have, I have an obligation here. And then in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22, he addressed that with those who had no land and who were hungry. He talked about those who did have land and who did have crops. That, that whenever they would harvest their fields, they would leave certain amount of, of, of the crop in the field so that the poor could come behind and glean behind them so that their needs would be met. And God was saying to them, when, when you honor me like that, when, you, when you're willing to take care of your brother and you're willing to meet their need, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take what you do have and I'm going to make it meet your need. And so, seek a godly resolution. By the way, Jesus did the same thing. As he entered into the temple with righteous indignation, heartbroken, anger that God's word was being, was being prostituted and perverted. And he overturned the tables. Here's what he said. It is written. He pointed to the word of God. My house shall be called a house of prayer. He's quoting, by the way, Isaiah chapter 56, verse number 7. Just as Nehemiah pointed to the Word of God through Moses, Jesus is now who God in the flesh is the one who, who, who is the creator of all things. He now points to His Word and He says, It has already been written. This has been addressed. We're not, we're not following God's Word here. It has been written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. I believe as the body of Christ and His church, our responsibility is to point all things to the truth of God's Word. What does God have to say about it? Well, well here's what I think. Uh, no, no, no. What does God have to say about it? But here's what the government... No, no, no. What does God have to say about it. Well, this is what my employer said. No, 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 no. Back up. What does God have to say about it? Pointing people to the Word of God. Listen, it's not my job, nor is it your job to be the judge of men. That's God's job. And by the way, He does a pretty good job of it. He doesn't need our help. He's already addressed these things. Our, our responsibility is to go to the Word of God and to be students of the Word of God to the point where now I can point to the Word of God and say, this is why this ought not be. This is why this ought not be. Because God said that it shouldn't be. There's a third. Listen and observe God with godly compassion. Seek a godly resolution. But then live a godly example. Verse 14. Moreover, from the day that I was appointed to be governor of the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 
For 12 years, neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. But the former governors who were before me laid their burdens on the back of the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also applied myself to the work on the wall. We didn't buy land and and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews and officials besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now that, that which was prepared for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds were prepared for me. And one, once in ten days shall the sorts of wine be furnished in abundance. Yet for all this I did not demand the governor's food allowance because the servitude was heavy on the people. Remember me, O God, for good, according to all that I've done for this people. Nehemiah is not being self-righteous here. Do not hear Nehemiah patting himself on the back. That's not what he's doing. What he's simply doing is saying, look, I have practiced what I'm preaching. I'm not just telling you this is what you ought to do. I'm telling you that this is what I'm doing. That for 12 years, for 12 years, I've been doing this. Before this day came, for 12 years in, in, in history, I have done this. He and his servants had gained significant wealth serving the king in his palace. No doubt as the cupbearer and, and one of the most trusted and one of the most, uh, one of the most revered people in the palace. He was paid handsomely for what he did. He was taken care of lavishly. No doubt he had wealth and so did his servants. And they brought that with them when they came to Jerusalem. And now, listen, they are willing to lend money to those who were struggling and they refused to charge interest. He said, yeah, I've loaned money. You can talk to this person, this person, this person, this person. They'll tell you, I've loaned them money so that they can buy food, so that they can take care of their families. But you go talk to them. You know what they're going to tell you? I've not paid one red cent in interest to this man. You know why? Because that's... That glorifies God, and that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here just to make sure they get food and make sure that wall gets built and to make sure that this is done and that's done. I'm here to to, to bring glory and honor to the God of heaven. And, And that's what brings glory to the God of heaven is when the people of God walk in the way of God. That's what brings glory to Him. They refuse to foreclose and seize land when their, when their brothers couldn't pay their mortgage. He and his servants even refused to accept the official expense account that was reserved for him and, and appointed to him because he had been made and appointed as governor of this region. And so he, he, had, a rightful, he had a rightful salary that was given to him and rightful provisions that were given to him and his servant. And he said, I'm not using that. I'm not taking the king's money that you're having to borrow to pay taxes on. I'm using my own. I'm paying my own way. And that's what they did. They chose to pay their own expenses out of their own pockets instead of using the people's tax money. Nehemiah even goes so far to say, look, come to my house on any given day. You know what you're going to find? 150 people sitting around my table that I'm feeding. 
out of my pocket because that glorifies the God of heaven. So he's not just telling everybody what they should do. He's doing it himself. 150 people. They didn't ask for, nor did they expect to be treated any different than others. By the way, did you, did you hear what he said? I've got my spot on the wall too. I'm not just telling you, go build a wall, go build a wall, go build a wall. I'm out there building a wall. I'm not just saying, put your servants to work. I'm putting my servants to work. I'm with you on this. He stood, he stood shoulder to shoulder with them. He said, I'm one of you. And I'm going to treat you like a brother. And by the way, speaking of Jesus, after cleansing that temple, he went back there day after day. And he went there to minister to anyone and all who would come. And he spent his time teaching them and loving them and ministering to them and encouraging them and healing them. Anyone who would come. He, he didn't just tell them, you should make my father's house a house of prayer. He made it a house of prayer. So He practiced what he preached. I believe that being a spiritual force for God's kingdom in this broken and sinful world means walking and living daily in God's word for God's pleasure according to God's plan. That is our purpose. And I believe, that, praise God, Wanda, thank you for organizing the, the baby bottle, the fundraiser to help the Pregnancy Resource Center. Folks, can I tell you something? More and more the world is attacking those who stand up for the helpless. Right now there are people that are waiting trial that could be sentenced up to 10 to 15 years in prison all because they stood and prayed at an abortion center. They didn't carry a sign. They didn't scream. They didn't shout. They sang hymns. They stood there and sang, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. They were arrested and thrown in jail for rioting and now stand waiting to go to trial with the potential of spending 11 to 15 years in prison for standing up for the unborn. Can I tell you something? Sometimes it costs you something to do what God calls you to do. To stand up and say, this, this, is, this is outlandish. This is an honor God when we, we treat our brother that way. That, that, that's not honoring to God. It's not glorifying to His name. It is, it, we're abusing His creation. I believe that's our job and our responsibility. To deal with the in, injustice. Be a godly example. And seek to address that which we have been led of God to address. <clears throat> Folks, there are people around us that are, live in horrible situations. There are people that you may rub shoulders with and don't even know it, but they're abused mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually. There are those who have absent husbands or absent wives and they're having to raise their children on their own. There are those Kids who have absent parents who don't care where they are or what they're doing or when they do it. And these kids are having to raise their self. They're out there. 
They're drug addicts and alcoholics and gambling addicts and pornography addicts that are struggling to break free of, of, of the chains that Satan has placed upon them and they're crying for help. There are those who live with those who have those addictions who have to walk on eggshells every day to keep from being abused. But our question for today is, how are we as God's children going to help? What can we do? What is it that we can do when it comes to that injustice? First, we need to see and hear them. Don't turn a blind eye. Don't pretend it doesn't exist. Don't push them off on somebody else. We need to hear them and see them. And then we need to get on our knees before a holy God and say, Oh God, these are your children. These are your created ones. How do you want me to help? And then when we point them to the truth of God's word, we need to walk what we talk and live what we preach. I know this is different from anything that I normally do on Sunday mornings. I told Rhonda on the way here, I said, I am so nervous about preaching this message this morning, I can't stand it. I I want you to hear my heart. All I'm saying is this, is that the church should be the most dynamic, should be the most powerful force in the world, uh, in, in, in defense of those who are being abused by others. Our voice should be the loudest. We shouldn't hesitate to say, look, Jesus died for that person. God created them in His image. Jesus died so that they could have eternal life and and they'll never have the opportunity to even hear His name if they're living under such situations. We're to have a heart the way Jesus did, that when he walked into that temple and he saw the common man coming and going, being abused and misused and mistreated and, and, and having seen them taken, being taken advantage of, something inside of him rose up and he said, this is not honoring to my father and I must do something now. So what can we do? What can you do? to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and honor the kingdom of God by helping those who are being abused. In just a moment, we'll stand, we'll sing, the altar is open. It may be you have someone in your family that's being abused, mistreated, taken advantage of. Maybe you have someone in your own family that you just need to come about before Holy God and say, Oh God, I've kind of turned an eye to that. Uh, help me help me to see them. Lord, if there is something you want me to do, will you reveal that to me and give me the courage to do it? Maybe there's someone you work with or someone you go to school with, whatever it may be, and, and you know that they are, they're being abused, they're being mistreated, they're being taken advantage of. And, and maybe the day you just need to bow before holy God and say, God, I see them. You've put them in front of me and I see them. Now, God, show me. Is there, what is it you want me to do to help them? How, how can I be a force for your kingdom to overcome the darkness 
that's trying to envelop that, that person. Today's a good day to do that. We can't just keep turning a blind eye. Let's pray. Father, you do nothing without a purpose. You are intentional in every action. Driven and motivated by your love for us and your desire to see your glory being shown through us. Lord, if if there's someone that we've come across, there's someone we know, there's someone we're acquainted with that is being treated unjustly. Their skin's the wrong color. They are the wrong social economic situation. They're being pressured and pushed and used and abused. Lord, show us that today so that you can move in our heart so that we'll know what we can do. But Lord, most of all, we just want in each of these situations, not only for that person to be delivered from that bondage, but Lord, we want your name to be glorified through it. That when people see that liberation, they're not talking about us. They're not talking about our, us as individuals or as a church or as a group, but they're, they're saying God did something amazing here. That the God of heaven has moved and is glorified. Lord, only you can set people free. Only you can convict hearts. Only you can change lives. Help us, God, to be part of your plan. Give us that purpose. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
so much for being here today. God bless you. It was so good to see you. Uh, thank you for uh, prayerfully uh, going through our time together today and my prayers that God will use this for his glory and to build his kingdom. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much that while you could do all things without us, you instead choose to do things through us. You want us to be a part of your purpose and your plan, you, you have called us, Lord, to, to be co-laborers together. And I pray, Lord, it will be just that, that we'll live our life in such a way that we'll deal with others in such a way that will always point anyone who may be witnessing, standing by, and even the person we're dealing with, that it will point them to the Lord Jesus Christ as the only hope and the only help for a lost and a dying world. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for who you are. We ask you to dismiss us now with your great love. Keep each one safe as they travel to their homes. And we pray that you bring us back at the next appointed hour. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.